0: It's the Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals post-game podcast, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. As we recap the Bengals' tough 25-22 overtime loss to the Green Bay Packers. Strangely, one of two 25-22 scores that were played in the NFL today, and None though weirder than this one, Rick, I, I've watched a lot of football, way more than you because you're way younger than me, and that makes me way older than you. Um, and I go back to the days where kickers um, made kicks at a 65% rate a lot of times. 70 was good. If you got a kicker that made 80%, woo. Now, today's kickers, and listen, we fussed about Randy Bullock, right? And Randy Bullock was literally automatic inside 40 yards, but you know, couldn't, couldn't make a clutch kick struggle when it was longer kicks. But still, if you go back, and I challenge anybody to this because everybody thinks he's the worst kicker in Bengals history, I'll challenge anybody for this. Go back and look at that guy's stats. He was actually pretty good overall, which tells you again where today's kicking is. And yet today we have one of the longest tenured kickers in the NFL and Mason Crosby and Superleg Evan McPherson, who's really, he's made two game winners. He's kicked them from deep. He hasn't missed much since training camp. And yet there they were from the two sixteen mark of regulation through overtime missing five consecutive field goals between them. That was that was truly one of the strangest games I've ever covered.
0: I hate kickers. <laughs> I really do. It, I mean, it, it really doesn't make sense why it's such a big part of the game. Today's oh, game I, was a good football I know, game. I know it. It was entertaining to watch, and it all comes down to watching a couple of wannabe soccer players in a shootout, and they can't hit for anything. It was honestly a terrible ending to what was a great game prior to that.
1: It was, it was just bizarre and and I'm not anti-kicker. I'm not, I, I, I get am. it. There's a lot, I know that there's a lot of people that are, I, I'll give Trey Hendrickson a little bit of credit. He he called Evan a good football player and he believes in Evan and that's all well and good. They had his back. And you know, sometimes kickers can ingratiate themselves to teammates just because they have that personality. And I think Evan does, to be honest with you, he realizes what he is. Um, uh, and I'm sure he was disappointed obviously in missing kicks because, you know, the, especially the set, the 48 the yarder, I mean, he celebrates and he thought it was good. And all of a sudden it goes wide left and I can't explain it. He couldn't explain it. He thought maybe a gust of wind got it. And it may have, cause the wind was swirling. Uh, we asked some videographers on the field. Um, we went down to the press conference, what the wind was like. And they talked about it, kept changing directions and was, wasn't strong consistently, but would swirl. And so maybe that had something to do with it, but man, oh man, I, I just, I, I I, I, in this day and age of guys making kicks, I can't believe there was that five kick stretch. It was crazy.
0: Isn't there a way where we can have those? Like, I understand the need for if you get stopped short, there should be a way to score right. three points as opposed to the touchdown, right? I understand the need for that, and the, it adds strategy and layers to the game isn't there a way we can let the football players decide it? Like there's a skill contest for the quarterback. Like he has to throw a a 50 (laughs) yard or wherever he He has to hit like a little target up on a a high thing or something. Like it just makes no sense to have these kickers, these little nerds that have nothing to do with football, come out there and shoot it out at the end of the game. Like that was horrible to watch. It was really bad.
1: Pat McAfee would agree to disagree with you on that, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) I don't care about Pat McAfee. I I realize, I realize it.
0: But but speaking of Pat McAfee, today was bad for the brand.
1: It is. That's a good point. I, the one thing I will say is, and this is going to go into some of the stuff I'm sure we're going to talk about, but you you could have gone for it on fourth and two before he tried the fifty seven yarder, right? Uh, that yeah. way, that way, it, it's kind of like the Bill Belichick decision last week with Nick Folk. Now, granted, there was no rain; it was not on grass. All of those things, but as soon as he missed it, I mean, literally, and I I say this with all honest, with all honesty, I can do it. As soon as he missed it. I said out loud, one pass and Rodgers gets him in field goal range. And what happened? One pass, he got him in field goal range. Now Crosby missed, obviously, but that was a risk you ran by kicking it there. Um uh, you know, I, I actually asked Zach the question in the press conference of had, did you give any thought to going on fourth and two as opposed to kicking the 57 yarder? He said, No, we like going that direction. The wind was with us in that circumstance. We trust Evan to make some big kicks, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I get the explanation. I actually get the rationality because they do believe in him with the ability to make that long of a kick. But at the same time, it, dude, it's right or wrong. It's still fifty-seven yards, man. It's still that still's not an easy kick to make. I'm not absolving McPherson, right? But it's still a long kick to make. And right. even Jamar Chase said, "Hey, we could have run something to the sticks and run something quick, and um, you know, maybe been a little more aggressive there." And I think I'm leaning towards that of get you another five yards, get you first down, and then if you're going to kick it kind of like what almost happened with, with Belichick Brady last week, although more time would have been on the clock for Brady. You give Aaron Rodgers no time to pull off the miracle he's pulled off a thousand times, and he almost did it again.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not putting that on Evan McPherson. A 57-yard kick should not be expected. I mean, that's a really difficult kick, whatever stadium you're in, regardless yeah, yeah, that, of wind or anything that, else. That, that I don't should, expect that should, that kickers should be to
1: get des- that. Right, that should be desperation. That should be like, we're fourth and 11. This is the best opportunity. No, it was fourth and two. You had an opportunity.
0: I you actually, had a chance to go. I don't even actually have that big of a problem with them deciding to kick it right there on fourth down. My bigger issue was that on third and five, they ran some Ashi P. Ryan right yeah, off guard right. left for three yards. Right. Why are fair you running on third and five right there right. with no, Burrow on your team and Jamar chase. This is my issue with Zach Taylor. It, it skinny. It's not all about how much you pass or how much you go downfield. It's, knowing when to do those things, right? Like running in that situation is just plain scared. I don't understand that at all when you have a guy like Joe yeah, Burrow. The, For the, the first time in in years as a Bengals fan today, I felt confident when the Bengals had the ball in those late-game situations of, I know Joe Burrow can drive them down the field every time. Like he gives you that type of late-game right. feel. It's like having an Aaron Rodgers. It's like having a Tom Brady. I know he's not to that level yet, but he gives you that type of confidence. I cannot understand being in Zach Taylor's position where you need to win this year to save your job and you are not going down swinging with Joe Burrow. That just makes no sense to me logically as a competitor.
1: Yeah, the only thing I can say, and I'm not absolving him of this by any stretch. Trust me, I'm not, because I'm with you. I think they should have gone for it. Um, I think they should have been more aggressive on the third and five. The only thing I, I, I do believe, and he kind of alluded to this a little bit. I can't remember how the question was phrased, but he, he, he kind of answered in that way. I, I do think that Quentin Spain holding penalty, remember the one that took him out of field goal on range? Burrow's in the run. Yes, on Burroughs' yeah. scramble. I do wonder... If that was in the back of his mind of, well, let me try to get the first down with a safe run play. And if we don't, we're in Evans' range at least. And we can't have a holding penalty knock us out. But even then, if that was the mindset, uh, you know what? Uh, tough, tough, tough beans. I mean. Yeah, uh, you know what that th- is
0: the definition of? Playing scared. scared. No, yeah, I'm, I mean, with, you. I'm scared. with
1: you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And listen, I, I get it. Every coaching decision magnified. And, and by and, the way,
0: you, you held on a running play. And so that's you correct. ran another running play like that makes no well, sense. That doesn't well, well, the, the, the,
1: Bur- the, Bur- the Burrow run on that run was not a draw. That was that was him scrambling. He went back to okay, pass. But and you saw. held because you but were yes. running, though. You, no, no, you, you t- no, you're took right. off and ran and that's why no, you that's got right. the holding. Bit. No, that's right. I know I, you're right. Again, I, I'm I'm just trying to, to be fair here a little bit and put a little logic behind why, why the decision. And I think that was why the decision. I'm not telling you I agree with the decision. I'm just trying to give you the why of the decision.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that's what happened. I was I was thinking, you know, Jed DeMusey actually brought a pretty good point on Twitter, our former colleague, too, about yeah. the uh, fourth down decision he made in the first game against Minnesota that backfired on him. He said, you know, he's been really conservative in situations like that ever since then. Do you think that played a factor in it? I mean, it's hard to tell. He, he has been very conservative in those situations throughout his career. To me, this was more of a continuation of that. The the Minnesota situation was kind of the outlier there, but I don't know if you think that played a role in it as well.
1: Yeah, I don't don't because if you go back to that fourth and two down 19, 14 in the third quarter, right? He dropped him back to pass and that's when Joe scrambled for five and Quentin Spain got caught for a hold and then they ended up punting it. So he dropped back there. Um, I think he likes fourth down to go for it. I think he's in that new mode of the NFL for the most part, analytically, if it works, let's do it. That's why that decision... I think you're right on third and five, fourth and two there in at the end of regulation is just a little bit puzzling of all right, dude, you're you're aggressive enough to go on fourth and two. When honestly I I had a couple of friends. T- text me before it was the play was even on why not take the three and I thought that's the new NFL. I even said I think I texted him back I don't have much time to text the people during games but I think I texted him back of that's kind of the now the NFL of fourth and makeable you're going um you know you're not worrying about putting points on the board and then of course I got the well the three points haunted him and you're right in retrospect they should have probably kicked the field goal there and it, that last sequence wouldn't have mattered the touchdown by Joe Mixon would have won the game and the two-point conversion would have added icing on the cake and that would have been that but um yeah, I, that part's a little puzzling to me. And I just, I think it's a co- head coach that he really isn't quite sure of himself still. And that's three years in, you better start being sure of yourself, man. To me, it's not nearly as
0: much about the fourth down calls because those are coin flips and those can go a bunch of different ways on you. That That's a tough decision. To, to me, it's more about what you're doing on that third and five where you- No, you're four, right, you're or, right. Or in overtime after uh, Crosby missed the, the field goal, you get it back. You drive you know, the 38 yards, but you had a 21-yard pass from Burrow to Chase right. that got, got you into Green Bay territory, and then you ran with Joe Mixon three times in a row and kicked another 50-yard field right. goal, 49-yarder. Right. I mean, wh- where is the logic there when, again, you're two guys, you're two playmakers, the guy you go to at the end, gets you a 21-yard gain, move you into that territory, and then you go to a guy who you've been basically on a pitch count the whole game, and Joe Mixon, who... Didn't seem quite right all game. And you run him three times in a row. Where, where is the logic in that? Like- yeah.
1: The one, the one thing. And I go, I, I I've said this a lot and I, I do think it's true in this league. Um, there's a handful of coaches that don't do this. Andy Reed being one of them. And that's why he's so successful for whatever reason. There are just a lot of coaches in this league, man, that play not to lose instead of to win. I think in exactly that circumstance right. with the three runs that you're talking about, it was more, we're in field goal range. Let's stay in field goal range. Let's chew up clock and not give Aaron Rodgers a chance if we somehow miss the field goal and and then um, have a chance to win it, but not have a chance to lose it if we chew up a bunch of time. Don't think that way. Go win the damn thing. I mean, go win it. You I, just I, you watched know, I, four
0: I, field goals missed in a row, and you're thinking, let me play for a field goal right here. That's exactly dude, dude, what we watch ha- Zach Taylor do.
1: How, how about, uh, so I'm listening, I when I went, I left the stadium um, to go tape TV and, and then come home to write at about 6.30. So I'm in the car listening to, uh, well, I got done taping TV at like seven fifteen, seven twenty. So I'm in the car listening to the end of the Browns-Chargers uh, game. And the Chargers get down, knock it on the door. And they're trying not, they're down a point, mind you. They're trying not to score a touchdown. They're trying to run out the clock, kick a field goal, despite their guy had missed a couple extra points in the game. And it would have been a chip shot 20-yarder, but still, it, there's still a lot of things that can happen there. And so, literally, I don't know if you saw this, Rick, but um, uh, and I haven't seen the highlight of it yet, so I'm kind of looking forward to it, but they handed off to Austin Eckler, and apparently he was trying not to score a touchdown, yeah, the and the Browns were trying in. to put him in the end zone to score yep. a touchdown. Yep. I mean, they, how crazy How crazy they, is that? What is that? what is him that him about? Into the end zone. Right, what is that about, dude? Seriously, what is that about? That's the league right there in a microcosm. Uh, I don't want to not lose... Um, I don't want to score here and then hope my defense gets a stop because I trust my defense. I don't want to not score. So I don't want to give you enough time to maybe try to beat me. I want to try to win and not lose. No, try to lose and not win. What are we doing guys? Go win. I
0: actually like what the Browns did. I think it's, Oh,
1: I, I want the ball last. That's no, how I, I feel. No, like no, 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 I, no, 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 I like what the Browns did. I don't like what, what San Diego did or Los Angeles did try not to score. There, there's so many goofy things can happen on kicks. It just does. It's just goofy. You know what I know when you cross the goal line. You know what they give you? Six points. They give you six points. And you know what happens on a kick? There is a potential for a miss. There's a potential.
0: I mean, I, the idea of playing for a field goal there is Zach Taylor. After you just watched four field goals get missed in a row, and. Joe Burrow had just hooked up with Jamar chase for a 21 yard gain on oh, a great banana,
1: great throw and catch. Yeah. Great throw and catch both. I mean, you've got two
0: studs, two legit game breakers. I just don't understand right. not wanting to go down with those guys. No. Right. Um, Let's go a little offense defense in, in terms of this team, because I think, you know, you see the numbers that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and even the running game today of the Packers put up and you think, ah, oh, kind of a rough day for the defense. They couldn't, Stop Devonte Adams at the same time I look at it and I say they had to deal with two turnovers two interceptions from Burrow that that gave Green Bay good positioning and yep they only give up 22 points in regulation they give you multiple chances to win the game I have a hard time bl- blaming the defense when you're going up against a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you only give up 22 points in regulation.
1: Yeah, and it sounded like they had a plan for for Devontae Adams. I don't I don't know if they executed that plan, but I, I'm sure you saw because you, you edited my piece. I mean, Chidobe Awuzie talked about you know they tried everything, uh, this coverage, that coverage, multiple guys on him, brackets. He he, he uh, traveled with him from side to side when he was on the outside. So the Bengals, to their credit, um, you know, back in the Marvin Lewis era, they rarely traveled their corners. It was literally, this guy was the right corner. That guy was the left corner. Bengals decided, hey, we're going to put our best corner, even though it might be a banged up a little bit, on this guy. Now we're going to give him some help. So that's the funny part. Don't think all those catches and yards were against uh, Awuzie. That was against a lot of different defenses. Right. And and those guys are just that good to beat you. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, um, overall, I thought the defense played pretty darn well. They got a little bit of pressure on Rodgers. They sacked him a few times. Um, You know, he makes the play at the end of overtime where Trey Hendrickson is about a step late from sacking him, and honestly, he just—and this is what great quarterbacks do, right? They're the ones that can throw that ball in the middle of traffic where it's like, what are you doing throwing that pass and get away with it? I mean, when that ball was in the air, Rick, and and you couldn't probably see it on TV until the play was over— um, maybe, but in in live action, when he threw that up in the middle of the field, I thought, "Where are you going with this?" And you see Cobb come across late. You see Jesse Bates coming from the other side, and I'm thinking, "Oh, he's got a chance to pick it." And then I'm thinking, "Well, he's going to knock this away." And somehow Bates hits him and gets hurt, unfortunately. And Cobb makes the catch. I mean, that, that sounds lucky, except that guys like Aaron Rodgers do that stuff all the time. So, you know, some of that was that's just a dude who is special, making special play. There's a play he had across the field; he was getting pressured. And uh, Adams is kind of running with him and then stops on a dime, cuts back to the middle. He just flicks his wrist and, and throws him open. Uh, you know, I, I, some of that is, I don't know how you stop some of that. When guys are that good and that ta- you you can have a great plan and do everything right. And he still beats you. And that's why those guys are great. That's why he's a hall of famer. W-
0: was it, was it Taylor? I think it was Taylor. I was reading quotes after the game and it was Taylor who said 16 targets is a lot for Devontae Adams. Was it him who said yes. that? Yes, Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. yeah.
0: Zach, that's how it works. When you have an elite quarterback, an elite receiver, you let them go and make as many plays as possible. You give them a ton of chances yep. because it's a numbers game. The more chances they get, the more big plays they're going to make. That's why Devontae Adams got 16 targets while you were spinning your tires, throwing it to Drew Sample four times.
1: Yeah, yeah. Drew Sample has no business being a part of anybody's passing game. Where was CJ if, if, that, after that, that huge you know, game? It's funny. I, I Somebody asked me this question. Actually, Chris asked me it last week on the Sports Authority because we had a Sunday after we the Thursday about game. And we talked about it, too. I, I said, I wouldn't. I don't think he's a big part of the offense. He just That happened to be a night where they put him involved because they were missing T. Higgins. And so there was that. And I'm with you. If you're going to run a wide receiver screen to anybody or something to the flat to anybody, it's 87. And 89 is terrible. He's terrible.
0: Yeah, that's one of the most honestly, mind-boggling honestly, picks honestly, in Bengals history.
1: It still is to this day. It, he's a nice kid and um, all those things, but my word, he can't. He is so he has no ability as a pass catcher and anything after the catch. And I'm still debating whether or not he can block anybody.
0: Yeah, today he dropped a, a ball that was right to him, and he well, also I when he
1: stumbled. That was when he stumbled. I was,
0: well, I was getting to that. He also fell down with no one even touching him after catching one of his two my lands. So yeah, that was a, an excellent display by by Drew Sample. Sticking with the defense for a second here, I thought. Trey Hendrickson did well, as you alluded to a I actually thought had a, a decent game. I didn't did. no, did. know. I, I, I did too. I, I thought he, he was actually really good. He made some nice plays. And, and, and then the, the, the one thing that I thought was really lacking from this game is we've talked a lot about Logan Wilson and the linebackers. It seemed like they were a little non-existent today. I don't know if they were having trouble because they were covering those wheel routes on and Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield or, or why they were out of the, out of position so much, but it seemed like they were nowhere to be found in the middle of that field.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't remember Logan Wilson making many plays. In fact, if you look at the stat sheet, the two leading tacklers were the two safeties, and that's never a good thing. That right? reminds you of that's last year a lot, doesn't never, it? Never, right. That's never a good thing. And so, you know, maybe it was the fact that a lot of the passes were down the field for the most part. There was some miscommunication. The touchdown pass to A.J. Dillon, it looked like Von Bell had flat responsibility. He's not a linebacker, mind you, but look looked like he had flat responsibility and just messed up. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure that one out still to this minute. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to give a little pass to that. I really am just because I can't expect guys to be great for 17 games, but you're right. The linebackers were not great today.
0: On the other side, the offense, they're averaging 23 points a game. And Lance McAllister brought this up a few times on social media. I saw where he pointed out that they haven't scored more than 24 in regulation yet. Yep. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's not what I expected coming into the year with with this team. I thought it would be kind of the opposite. The offense would be too. putting up 40, 45 sometimes, still finding a way to lose because the defense wouldn't be good enough. That hasn't been the case at all. But at what point do we start questioning the offense? Like, where, where does the concern lie right now with this offense and their inability to have those big breakout games
1: where they score a bunch? Well, I go back to, and I, I asked him a question about this last year. It's not been fair to ask this year in a 3-1 and one season. It really hasn't, but it's going to come again, I think, on Monday. Of For Zach Taylor, at what point do you look at somebody else as a play caller? I mean, I'm sorry, it's just not working, man. It's not. It's not dynamic. It's not what you're hired to be and do. So at what point do you have to just swallow hard and go, somebody else needs to do this? I know he enjoys it. I know he loves the challenge of it. And that's all well and good. But if it's not working, if you you need to do something else. And that's the part to me that's that's kind of frustrating. Um, you know, you remember I picked this game 23-20, Rick, and, and you and I were way on different sides, and I'm not dissing you because you, I, I I even admit it, I'm like, I look at the injuries, and I look at the two offenses, and I'm thinking, who the heck's going to stop anybody in this game? This has got 45-42 shootout written all over. It, but it just, uh, until the offense can prove that it can do more, I can't pick them to do much. And you know me, I've been a big believer in this defense from jump street this year. So I thought defense is going to keep a minute and you know, the, you know, the offense just hasn't done enough to this point. I mean, where would this offense be without Jamar chase making big, big chunk plays, right? Seriously. I mean, honestly, where would it be?
0: <laughs> It'd be a disaster, a, an outright be dis- disaster yes. because they would have no way of moving the ball downfield. He has bailed them out, especially in the first half three times. Now three times now being That's right. zeros
1: three times. Now that's exactly right. Yeah, I had 27 Which is great. That's what you drafted game, to do. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought you had higher, but okay. So we yeah were, we are both close. We both had it less scoring than than what we thought it was. Or, you know, what a lot of people thought it was going to be. Um, so I mean, you know, I, I, at some point, do you swallow your pride or do you go down thinking you're the guy and then muck it up for yourself, right?
0: Yeah. And again, I mean, I don't. E- Today I actually thought the play calling was a little bit better. Now they still couldn't get out of their own way in the first half for the most part. I thought that was more on the players' execution a little bit. You had Higgins out there dropping well, a couple of well, balls. Well, how
1: about how about the third how about the third and one cutesy sneak with Jamar Chase lined up as a running back that basically said, We're gonna sneak it and he's gonna be back here just in case we don't snap it over our quarterback's head in the shot in the in the under center. I mean, there's that too.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, I I mean I'm gonna I'm not uh, one to exactly defend Zach Taylor. You know that. No, but today, at least you dropped Joe Burrow back 38 times. You know, he was pretty much on par with Rodgers. Rodgers was 27 for 39. Right. Burrow was 26 of 38. Rodgers took nine uh, attempts of 15 yards or more. Burrow only had six, but I, I can live with six. That's not unreasonable. I, I would have liked mm-hmm. to seen him get right. to about not that right. nine number. If he would have had two or three more late in the game, I think he'd be in a better spot to win probably. But I didn't think it was like they didn't give Joe Burrow enough chances to throw down field in this game. I didn't think it was like they were overly conservative with the run on the whole. Like I, I thought they set up the run with the pass more often in this game. They went past heavy first and then kind of worked the run in and P Ryan found some success while mixing wasn't quite ready, I guess, to go or, or give it at least his normal number of snaps. So I didn't have a huge issue overall with the play calling. I just, again, cannot understand one, why they struggle so much in the first halves. And then two, why Zach Taylor would want to go down swinging with anybody other than Joe Burrow. That makes no, no sense right. to me. It,
1: it's crazy. Well, I still go back, well, and, and then there was the other cutesy play with Isaiah Prince in motion, the one that Burrow threw the interception on. And that was on Burrow. It was a terrible throw. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, it was just too cutesy of a play. I still go back to this, and I hate to do this. What is your freaking identity? Do you want to be a run-first, play-action-heavy, deep-shot team? Do you want to be five-wide, empty? Te- not five-wide, but but an empty team that's going to spread the ball around and throw it 40 times? do what you do best, whatever that is. And it feels like they're still trying to mesh everything together. And that was kind of a storyline for the week. And and a bunch of us were asking questions of, you know, Frank Pollock came in and Callahan came in and, and Zach of, you know, you've tried to mesh the, the wide zone running scheme with under center with this empty set. And, and most of the answers were, well, it gives us all these possibilities and it gives us all these options and that's all well and good coming off a win. And I kind of left it at that. But I go back to what, what, find out what do you do best? Here's what I know Kansas City does. You know what I know Kansas City does, and they're getting their butt speed as well. I'm taping this. So hopefully they come back, and we'll see because I've got a parlay on them. But anyway, neither here nor there. I've also got Buffalo in a parlay getting four and a half, so I'm good either way. But bottom line is, you know what I know Kansas City is Patrick Mahomes. That's their identity of Patrick Mahomes making plays. That's their identity. Buffalo's identity is Josh Allen running the football and read options, and then Josh Allen dropping back and making plays. I I don't know what the Bengals' identity is. I, I truly believe they are best served going three wide with Joe Burrow under center and running Joe Mixon when he's healthy on wide zone stuff and then going play action and taking shot plays and letting Joe throw it 25 to 30 times a game and letting Mixon carry it 20 to 25 times a game. But it feels like game to game, it's so different of... Well, we're going to go empty for a while. And then you're right. They went empty for a while. And then to start the second half, it was like, all right, we, we've got to do something different. So then they go to the the, the five, the, or rather the six lineman set where Isaiah Prince comes in, and they run it somewhat effectively a few plays. And they go back to different stuff. Again, I, I get that you're trying to keep defenses off balance, but what do you do best? Do you? Stop worrying about them. Yeah. And again, and- if you want to go five, Biden throw it around 60 times a game, Great. You want to do air raid stuff. Great. But do sub, do one or the other.
0: Yeah. I'm not a big identity guy in general, but I, I get, am, I, I get your overall point there. My, th- I'm fine with them mixing it up and, and figuring out what works best against certain matchups and things like that. But if you're going to do that, you cannot be so inconsistent. You can't just punt on an entire first half every week, like right. they're, they're doing like a lot of those coaches, they have, you know, the first couple of series more scripted out than maybe they have the rest of the game because you, you kind of have to play off of situation after a while when there there becomes a score involved. But they like to script everything out early on. And you look at what the Bengals do in those early drives, it's a disaster. I mean, the it stuff is. that's supposed to be the most organized and most scripted, they seem to have no plan or at least the plan doesn't work and it changes every week. So from that perspective, I'm with you. It's like, what what is your best plays? What What is going to work the best. And how can you utilize your best weapons a little more often? Because right now it seems to be, we're going to try all these different things that don't work. And then at the end of the half, we're going to throw it up to Jamar chase two or three times and hope he fails right. us out.
1: He That's, and he way, does. And he, and he
0: does. Yes, he does. But you I think you got to figure out a little something else to sustain you in between that. That's and, right. And get a few more early drives going. And then no, I'm with again, you. late in the game, to me, it's just more about playing to win as opposed to playing to lose. I, if I'm Zach Taylor, I would not be scared and I would not be relying on my kickers or my running game when I have number nine and I have number one.
1: No, I I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I, I'm i going down swing with number nine. That's what I'm, I'm with you. Number nine or number 28. Those are the guys I'm going down with and 28 was not completely available today. So I'm going down swing with number nine.
0: The problem with 28 is you have to rely on all the numbers up ahead of him to get that done. A lot more so than you do if you, no, you that. drop but, guys but, but, back but, and they're playing late w- in the game. But,
1: but, but, but Rick, I will say this. When when they have lined up and, and put Joe under center and run him down, and Joe Mixon is so much better running downhill instead of from a shotgun start. When he's done that, he's been damn effective. I mean, damn effective. And that's the part to me of decide what you are. Just decide what you are. You you can hey you can run 13 personnel and you can still throw it 40 times under center. It's just a matter of the, the fact that, that the running back just is more effective doing that and you do more play action stuff off of that. You do more bootlegs off of that. Out of the shotgun, I get that it tells you what the defense is going to do and it gives Joe a chance for some pre-snap reads and he loved that at LSU. Baby, we ain't playing Vandy and and, and old Miss on a give it. We're, we're playing big boy football here, and he's not great at it I'm sorry he's just not great at it at this point so let's stop pretending to do that and let's do what you do best
0: let's wrap it up with this you get you got done with all your media obligations there at the stadium today you get into your car what was your strong takeaway what was the thought as you're driving away
1: from the game that honestly they they are close
0: yeah that's, um, that's exactly where I'm at too
1: they, they belonged and and listen, this is not moral victory time. I get all that stuff, but if you wanted the measuring stick, you got a measuring stick of, huh, they're pretty good. Um, Things didn't go right. You had a chance to win it. And yes, I know Green Bay had a chance to win it. So I, you know, it is what it is, but you had a chance to win this game and you had a chance to get the four and one and really start to do something special. You didn't. Um, that's kind of this league sometimes of who makes the right play at the right time, who makes the big kick at the right time, all those things. If I'm a Bengals fan, I'm looking at the next two games going, you got no excuses. You can go to Detroit and go to the jets and win. And you should. And then you come back for Cleveland at home at five and two with probably first place on the line or damn close to it. I mean, Cleveland's already got two losses. Baltimore sits at one. They're probably not going to lose to Indy, but you know, again, you're, you're right in that mix of that. Um, I think I'd feel pretty good as a Bengal fan after today. And I think I'd feel pretty good as a player and a coach that our guys stood toe-to-toe, and yes, they had injuries. Listen, their starting center was out, their starting left tackle was out, their starting best corner was out, but you also had a bunch of guys keep getting banged up throughout the game. You were not your best running back for a good chunk of the game. You only carried it a few times. So, honestly, I think I'd come out of this game going, um, they haven't turned the corner because you turn the corner when you win. That's how you turn the corner, as you know. But you're darn close to turning the corner, and let's figure out a way how to do that. And so I think that's where I'm at with all of that.
0: I've criticized Zach Taylor a lot, not just on this podcast, but over the last few weeks and few years probably. Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin deserve credit for building this team. It's good. Like yeah, it they, is. They've right. gotten this team better faster than I thought they would. No question. And Zach specifically... Wanted his own guys, he took some flack for getting rid of some veterans that had been productive in that locker room, and he wanted buy-in. He wanted winners. He mentioned specifically he wanted to go out and get free agents that came from winning teams, and he thought it was important for the culture. I'm going to be honest. I didn't care about a lot of that when he was saying it. I was like, show me, prove it. He's done that. I, I like this team. This team is easy to root for. I do think they're bought in. I do think they're a connected group. I do think they believe in, you know, it helps a lot when you have a guy like Joe Burrow leading them. I think everyone sure. believes in him sure. a lot too. Right. No, qu- no question. But he deserves credit for putting this team together. And, and so does Duke Tobin to a certain extent. They've they've taken a lot of criticism and some of it for good reason, but for where we're at right now with this roster, they have done a good job to get it into this place on both sides of the football. I am pretty impressed by the talent I see because from what they were last year compared to this year, they've taken a major step forward yeah, on the I flip mean, side it, of that. I also yeah, felt like Zach Taylor can't get out of his own way as a play caller, and he's scared of his own shadow. That was my takeaway after the game today. It's like, I really like this team. I'm with you. I think they are very close and they are legit competitive. It's not just that situation of like, hey, most NFL games are one score games. So if you're not winning those, you're just not very good. I think this team is pretty good. It it wasn't that feeling of they were incompetent and they got lucky because the the Packers were screwing up. They were right there with them toe for toe. They weren't getting bullied at the line of scrimmage. They could play with the Packers and I think they can play with most everyone in the league at this point. But at some point, we're going to have to hold Zach accountable for those one score games. And I don't know if the answer is to just remove himself as play caller or if he's just going to go down with the ship. But right now I would say I feel pretty good about the team. I still don't feel a whole lot more confident in Zach Taylor than I did.
1: No, that's fair. And I think it's exactly, it's, it's actually pretty well said. I think that's the part to me of, um, how introspective are you of saying, you know what? I, I need to let somebody else try this. It's not, it's not working the way I hoped it would work the way I want it to work. And you know, ego is a hell of a thing, bro. You know that everybody knows that. And sometimes it's hard to swallow your pride and go, you know, I've done a lot of good things here. I've set a culture. I've helped build a roster. I've got things the way I want it. And yet it's not working to the point where we're a dynamic offense yet. Despite the fact that I've got the pieces in place that I would like, I mean, Think about this: How many coaches in this league would like T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase as your wide receiver core, and Joe Joe Burrow as your quarterback, and Joe Mixon as your running back? Listen, I know the offensive line is not perfect or great yet, but they're not the issue. They're not the issue they were the last couple of years. I know he Joe got sacked three times today. All that—it's the league, man. Stuff happens in the league. I mean, you're not—it's never, never, never—it's not going to be perfect. But you—you've got competent people playing that side of the ball. And you're not dynamic, you're serviceable, you're not dynamic. And that part bothers me. So in the other part is then we can argue of eh, Minnesota sucks, they only beat him by three. And Jacksonville sucks. You only beat him by three. Well, I can give you the flip side of well, you only lost to Green Bay by three in overtime. And you, if you'd have gotten the ball back against Chicago, I truly think they go back down and at least score to force overtime there. I mean, that's how the fine line is with this team. So, how can you make it better? Well, you can't make it better personnel-wise right now, but can you make it better with tweaking what you're doing inside? Which is, maybe I gotta swallow and go. Brian, you call plays for a game, and and you ease him into a spot of Detroit and Chicago or Detroit and in uh, the Jets. Of I'm gonna let you ease in with this. It's not going to happen. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to happen. But if you really want to be successful, maybe sometimes you just gotta go. You know what? I'm, I'm not good at this. I'm not. He wasn't good at UC at that, and he really wasn't. And some of that was, obviously, UC's personnel was terrible then. That was a Tommy Tuberville more than probably Zach Taylor. But bottom line was, they were epically bad offensively towards the end of his year as a play caller. And so now he's a play caller here, and no offense, when have they been dynamic offensively, dude?
0: They haven't. I mean, they showed a few flashes last year when Joe Burrow was just starting to to find a little bit of a rhythm, but it was it was because they were playing from behind and had to just right. sling the ball right. around a little bit more.
1: Right. And that I think you go back to that whole first half thing of, uh, if you're a good play caller, then let's see it when it's scripted. Let's see it when, when you're trying to dictate to other people other than going, hey, let's feel you guys out. It's not working. I'm sorry it's not.
0: Yeah, to this point, it feels like a lot of the production, if you go back in these games, comes end of the first half when they get a little desperate and have to let Joe and, and Jamarco just let, do something. Just let, him,
1: just let him sling it. I mean, literally, and, it has and, been... And,
0: you and then late in he, the games when you're kind of letting him freestyle a little bit more, too, and, and make some plays. Yeah. I mean, that, that's where a lot of the production yeah. is coming from.
1: Yeah, no no, no question about it. But, but I'll go back to the original question. I think it shows me, at least... You're close. You're you're really close. You need to beat a good team. And, and I'm, again, you don't have to apologize for your three wins, but your three wins are over not very good teams to this point. You had a chance today. You didn't get it. You're going to get another chance in three weeks with Cleveland. If you're five and two at that point, let's see what you got.
0: No, I agree. I mean, that this was different. It was fun. It was the first time I felt like that in a long time about a Bengals game where it felt like it really mattered and it was a big game and I was right. actually into it and yelling at the TV in the final minutes and into overtime. I mean, that was fun. They're different now. They're They're a team worth rooting for. It is, it is worth watching this team for a full season and, and seeing where they go. You just want them to figure it out there because it feels like they could be a team that competes for the playoffs this yes. year. I don't I don't think yes. that's out of the question.
1: No, I don't think it is either. I mean, you look around the AFC, I'm completely in, in with that. I, I I don't think it is either, especially when, again, you got a chance to be five and two with Cleveland coming to your place. You pull off the win there, dude. You're six and two at the midway point. And again, we know the schedule at the back end is is brutal and hard and all those things. But what else? If you'd have told me six and two at the midway point, come on now. Yeah. You can't think you're not in the playoff race at that point. Exactly right. All right, Rick. Well, I appreciate it as always. Good stuff. Uh, we thank everybody for listening. We will be back on uh, Thursday of this week with our weekly podcast. Figure out how we did on our gambling picks. It, it, I, it was a good night for me from from a Kentucky perspective. That's all I can tell you. I,
0: I, <laughs> I bet it was. I hope you enjoyed was, that one.
1: I, I did enjoy that quite quite a lot. But we'll talk about that then. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer, Prime Living.